0: This is Colorado Edition from KUNC. As many as one in five children in the U.S. live with mental health issues, and the high demand for resources and support is putting a tremendous strain on the system. People are desperate, and the wait lists are long. On today's show, we'll speak with the new head of mental health at Children's Hospital Colorado about the ongoing crisis and solutions on the horizon. That and more coming up. You're listening to KUNC's Colorado Edition. I'm Erin O'Toole. In Colorado, a growing number of young people are struggling with their mental and emotional health. In just a bit, we'll get a closer look at the situation with the new head of mental health at Children's Hospital Colorado. But first... Many Colorado election officials say they have never felt as uncomfortable at work than they have in the last two years. They're facing new threats from residents still questioning the results of the last presidential election. They're also struggling to stop misinformation and conspiracy theories. KUNC's Scott Franz spoke to one county clerk who has faced so many threats she's installed bulletproof glass.
1: Chafee County Clerk Lori Mitchell says the threats against her office began on social media shortly after the 2020 election.
2: We did all the proper channels of reporting them, uh, anything to the sheriff and to the proper FBI and, and whatever we had to do, all of those things that were taken down, but it still was very unnerving. Uh, for me and my family
1: things got worse last summer mitchell was driving about a block away from her office in salida it's a small town on the banks of the arkansas river surrounded by sprawling ranches and mountains she noticed something alarming
2: out of the corner of my eye i saw somebody lay their right hand over their left arm and pull what looked like a trigger to me and so i i ducked in my car and uh, it was a squirt gun and it splashed on my window and i was just really worked up about it for for a number of days.
1: The events have been so troubling, Mitchell says she considered not running for re-election.
2: I mean, it's upsetting. I thought, I don't want to live like this, you know? But then, it's bigger than me, and I'm not going to back down because then they win. I'm going to stand up, I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to do it well, and, um, and that's what I can guarantee for the citizens of my county
1: more than 100 miles away at the state capitol, lawmakers including Jennifer Bacon are trying to help. Intimidation is real and it needs to be stopped. Bacon is sponsoring the Vote Without Fear Act. It would make it illegal to openly carry a gun within 100 feet of a polling place. Colorado would join just a handful of states with the policy. The fact that we need to bring this bill in 2022 is a sign of the times, but also it's a sign that this will not be tolerated because this is not who we are as a nation. The bill is advancing quickly with the support of Democrats. Republicans, like Representative Patrick Neville of Castle Rock, are fighting it. Frankly, I fear gun-free zones,
3: and this bill essentially creates that.
1: Republicans say the state's menacing laws are already protecting voters and election workers. Meanwhile, Democrats also want to pay for security details for public servants and punish people who threaten them. Senator Brittany Pedersen of Lakewood is leading the effort.
3: One in three US election officials feel unsafe on the job. One in six reported being threatened because of their work. These are people who are ensuring that we have free and fair elections and that believe in this country and are public servants. They are being threatened for doing their jobs.
1: But back in Salida, County Clerk Lori Mitchell is not waiting for Pedersen and other lawmakers to take action. She's taking me on a tour of her office and pointing out new security features she installed last year.
2: My staff feels safer with this here. It's a bulletproof wall and then the wall is bulletproof and then we have glass here.
1: Um, The clerks now talk to the public through this small bubble of glass. Mitchell says she doesn't like having to literally wall off her office, but the growing threats have made it necessary. She is also considering starting a website dedicated to fighting conspiracy theories and misinformation about elections in her county.
2: But then now it's like, it's so beyond the pale, the craziness, it's, I think that's why it's hard to combat because it's like, oh my God, what the heck is going on?
1: Mitchell says she never thought her job would get this risky. She was a golf pro and a photographer before she became a county clerk in 2014. She says the first six years were rewarding as she helped people get marriage licenses and ran elections with little controversy. Now she thinks the threats against election workers will be a tough issue for lawmakers to solve.
2: But uh, I'm hoping somebody uh, can help us get an answer and it's obviously not just gonna be one thing, it's gonna be a multi-pronged approach to to try to make us uh, safe.
1: I'm Scott Franz in Salida, Colorado.
0: Colorado, a growing number of young people are in a dire state of mental health crisis. Visits to emergency departments due to severe anxiety and depression have increased dramatically since the beginning of the pandemic. Health officials now estimate that as many as 50% of all youth are struggling with a mental health condition. The sharp rise in these rates led Children's Hospital Colorado to declare a state of emergency last year for pediatric mental health. The hospital also created a new position overseeing youth mental health coordination across the hospital's network of campuses. Dr. Lee Liao is the chief of mental health at Children's Hospital and joins us now to discuss her role and the state of youth mental health in Colorado. Dr. Liao, what was the goal in creating this chief of mental health position at Children's?
3: Well, Aaron, I think this might be the first time a children's hospital has named a mental health in chief. Uh, for Children's Hospital. And uh, we we traditionally have psychiatrists in chief um, who will oversee a section of child psychiatry and and sometimes also psychology. Um, But I think the mental health in chief role does two things. One, it acknowledges the diversity of of folks that make up our mental health care workforce. So psychiatrists, psychologists, but also nurses, pediatricians, family practice docs, uh, master's level clinicians and social workers. Uh, psychiatric nurse practitioners, as well as community mental health workers and peer support uh, mental health team members. Um, So there's really a broader array of folks um, in the mental health field. And so I think this role acknowledges um, their contributions, as well as places someone with mental health expertise and experience within every uh, discussion every at every table decision making as we're thinking about the vision and priorities of our children's healthcare system. Um, we're thinking about mental health as part of that.
0: And I'd like to talk about some of the experience you bring to this position um, before you came to Colorado. You were Chief of Service for Child Psychiatry at NYU. Uh, you also oversaw family support and resiliency programs there. How is your new position different from, from what you did in New York?
3: I will be totally honest, and I never thought I would leave New York because it, it was that role at NYU was really a dream role for me, thinking about um not only family support and resiliency in the context of children's health care, but also co-designing programs and services with youth and families. Um, and that uh, that's a family-centered care uh, philosophy and approach. Um, I did feel after we had launched um, our children's hospital at NYU and, and the family-centered programs, um, that I really wanted to focus my attention back on mental health specifically in children's uh, mental health. Um, and that that is when when thats why I ended up saying, you know what, if Children's Hospital of Colorado is hiring for a mental health in chief, I want to be part of that team. I want to lead that team. Um, just because of my background as a child psychiatrist and in the face of this national youth mental health crisis, I felt like this was the opportunity to sort of serve in, in, in this role. Hmm.
0: And I want to talk more about your plans for the effort. But first, could you give us kind of an overview of the state of kids' mental health. I know here in Colorado, it's been a growing concern for the last few years, at least maybe longer. How would you characterize the problem and the resources that are available now?
3: Certainly. I think for all of us working in the mental health field, it's been a a rising concern over the past several decades. Um, We, I think in the child mental health workforce have seen um, in our emergency departments in our pediatric floors, in our outpatient clinics, um, in the primary care and school settings, um, rising rates of depression, anxiety, um, suicidal thoughts, um, self harming behaviors, uh, substance use and addiction, eating disorders. We've been watching it rise actually for decades and sort of sounding the alarm within our professional field. Um, I think now with the pandemic sort of laying to bear um, the vulnerabilities uh, that we we're seeing in our kids and families, and and also the lack of resources and access to high quality care um, for all children in this country. Um, I think that it's finally risen to the level of awareness that it's needed actually for several decades. We are definitely, I used to say one in five children suffer from a mental health condition that's based on sort of our national um, evidence base. Uh, Now in many populations, it's 50% of kids are suffering uh, from a mental health condition that impairs their ability to really attend school, make friendships, um, regulate their emotions and behaviors, um, you know, be be engaged in the world in the way that you want to see kids um, engaged in the world and in relationships across the their development.
0: And as far as as resources that are available right now, what's kind of the state of that?
3: It's it's pretty dire there, and I think that you know I. Um, been here for six months and I sort of watched um, mental health reform uh, from afar happening in Colorado. Uh, When I was interviewing for this position, uh, the behavioral health task force was being formed at the state level. And now we have a behavioral health administration and a new commissioner I'm excited to be working with. Uh, But but at that time, Colorado really did not have and does not have an integrated, coordinated youth mental health system that's been sort of nurtured and developed and invested in, in the same way that we have in children's healthcare for other types of conditions. And we talk about here at Children's, if your child has a a cancer diagnosis, you go to the best cancer center, receive the best possible care um, with the available science and evidence that we have. The same is not true for mental health conditions. Um, People are desperate, uh, the wait lists are long. And in any clinic that you approach in Colorado, families are turning to the emergency rooms, um, which is, you know, for a family member and for a child is not necessarily the best place um, to be connected to care, but that is where people are turning these days.
0: Well, in May of last year, Children's Hospital declared a state of mental health emergency for children and teens. Visits to the emergency room then were up around 90 percent compared to the same time in the previous year. What are those emergency room numbers looking like now, and do you still consider this to be a state of emergency?
3: Looking at our emergency room numbers across our system, this is still a state of emergency for youth mental health. I was just meeting with uh, primary care providers uh, last night in Colorado Springs, um, and and their, their numbers are actually 300% up uh, for emergency room visits for psychiatric emergencies uh, compared to our campus um, uh, at large is about 70% uh, increases from past years. Um, it's, it's still a significant problem. Um, and I think people are getting, I think not only are families exhausted and, and young people, but our healthcare team is also exhausted. We've had a lot of people um, actually leave the field after these last few years during the COVID pandemic. Um, and we're really trying to sort of think about what are, what are ways to
0: bring folks back into this mental health and emergency workforce. We read about a lack of available beds for this type of treatment, but I want to talk about what that looks like. What happens when a child attempt suicide or is having some other kind of mental health crisis, and there are no beds available for them at inpatient treatment centers.
3: Yeah, this in family-centered care, we talk about right care or right support for the right child and family at the right time in the right place by the right team. Right. Um, right now, in our current state of uh, uh, care in, in our system of care, we are not able to provide the right care, the right time, the right place. For family, right? With the right team, and so what ends up happening is all these kids who we'd love to see in sort of long-term outpatient care with a therapist, with a with a psychiatrist or nurse practitioner if they need a, med, a medical issue addressed or medication, um, if they need group-based therapy or family supports. We want to deliver that, right, in an outpatient clinic uh, with community-based support, sometimes in-home services, right, or school-based services close to home. Um, because of the state of our mental health care system here, and, and not just in Colorado but nationally, right? We don't have that opportunity because we don't we we don't have um, the mental health workforce to provide that that care. There is not parity for mental health concerns in the same way that we see for physical health concerns. Even though that's kind of a, a false dichotomy, anyway, right? It's all there's no health without mental health. It's an integrated. We're integrated organisms, right? And so, um, our care should be integrated too. So what ends up happening is if we don't have inpatient beds, which you know you saw in the Colorado Sun article, there have been a thousand beds that have closed in the state of Colorado, inpatient beds for, 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 for youth, residential beds for kids who need longer term care and support, we don't have that access um, for these kids who are sitting in emergency rooms or on in hospital beds for weeks to months on end. In the emergency department, we would never, Want kids to have to stay longer than their evaluation, waiting for a bed. That is not the case anymore, um, and that's that is the state of
0: uh, of not investing and, and not paying attention or prioritizing that. That's the first part of our conversation with Dr. Rom Lee Liao, chief of mental health at Children's Hospital Colorado. After a short break, we'll hear about Dr. Liao's focus on early intervention and her vision for integrating mental health support within all facets of primary care. You're listening to Colorado Edition from KUNC. Today, we're discussing the ongoing children's mental health crisis with Dr. Ron Lee Liao, Chief of Mental Health at Children's Hospital Colorado. Last year, Children's declared a state of emergency for youth mental health in the state. Dr. Liao, I understand one of your priorities uh, in this new role is focusing more on early intervention as opposed to just uh, building space for more beds. What kind of early intervention programs and policies do you imagine for youth mental health?
3: I thank you for asking about that, Erin, because I I do feel like um, that area of prevention and early intervention and partnerships I think especially with the, the teams and community organizations who are doing that those those things very well um, are gonna be a, a critical part of our, our vision and strategic uh, planning uh, process at Children's Hospital of Colorado. And so first things I think about are sort of integrating mental health expertise and support within primary care. So whether your child sees a family practice doc uh, or a pediatrician or a nurse practitioner, making sure that your primary care practice and provider has access to mental health um, be- and behavioral health expertise and help with screening and interpretation of depression screens or, or suicide risk, uh, developmental issues that might be coming up, but also connecting them to care um, when they need it uh, in specialty care for mental health, as well as thinking about partnering with schools Uh, school-based health teams and school-based mental health teams. When we have uh, school counselors embedded in schools, I think that's another area to sort of partner uh, between the health system and and child mental health expertise uh, with our our local school school teams. And then I start to think about multi-generational interventions, right? So when I think about child development, I actually start um, during pregnancy and think about what does it take to have a a healthy pregnancy that parents have access to good prenatal care, nutrition, safe living environments, uh, parenting guidance, because that's first that first three months of life, those first three years of life. You know, I, as a parent, I think this was a roller coaster. You know, you never get a guidebook on how to raise a child or, or, you know, keep your baby safe and healthy. And it's like all those things that I feel like that should be part of what we we teach, you know, in school. Um, in in our homes like no one ever you just do what your parents did right or tell them what and so so guidance for families in that sort of two generation model um, and then hopefully we'll become three generation four generation I also think about teaching kids about their feelings relationships healthy boundaries how to how to face challenges starting in pre-k like so many things happen when you know um, you're, you're, you're two and three develop, develop, developing your social skills, your regulation of your emotions and behaviors, as I've mentioned, you know, learning how to talk about things that are hard to ups who you trust and making those relationships, that starts really early. So I wanna start really early too. And so I know our team has actually had a lot of experience in early childhood and perinatal mental health and family mental health. So I think we're in a very good place to be a good partner. Um to any, anyone throughout the state who's sort of working on these
0: issues as well. Another issue that comes up, I think, in any discussion of health care is equity and barriers to access. Are there programs or services now that are specifically targeted to young people and families of color or from underrepresented groups? Uh, and what are your plans in this area?
3: Absolutely. I am um, I am also in my, my other role at the uh, CU. Uh, School of Medicine and the Department of Psychiatry is as the Vice Chair for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. So I am thinking about equity and and diversity in everything that we do, Um, whether that's in our workforce recruitment, I'm thinking about new care team members we're bringing on, whether it's in our health disparities research initiatives and priorities, um, whether that's in our access to care, um, and making sure that our services are accessible um, to particularly underserved populations. I'll give you one example at the Children's Health Pavilion. We have a program called CLIMB um, and that's led by a psychologist who's hit her 20 year anniversary here, Ayelet Talmi. Um, we've embedded uh, psychologists and social workers um, and mental health uh, clinicians within primary care within the Children's Health Pavilion. But there's also resources there Uh, for legal assistance, food assistance, housing assistance, all the social determinants of health that are equally important. And so you can see that as a model uh, for how do you really meet the the whole family's needs, right, and really partner with community partners to to work on some of the root causes um, that are that are creating challenges Uh, within specific populations, and then hiring people uh, from the community to be family health navigators, right, care coordinators. I think this is a really exciting time for us to think about different types of career paths um, for folks who might be uh, graduating from high school, or, or have received their GED, or pursuing an associate's degree. How do we partner with local communities to make meaningful pathways for for work and career um, and, and security for their families. This is that multi generational model, right, of, of thinking and approach. I wanna make those big, big investments for the long term for our kids.
0: Talking of investing um, makes me think about funding. I know there's a coalition of organizations, and Children's Hospital is a part of this. Uh, Seeking solutions in the realm of the state budget, Um, there's a dollar figure of $76 million um, that's based on actuarial data, and it suggests that is what it would take, $76 million to fully fund Colorado's residential centers for children um, with severe mental and emotional health needs. Is is that enough? But really... Actually, what I want to ask is beyond that or in addition to this potential funding, if it happens, what do you think is needed to address this crisis and solve it? Is it just about money?
3: Well, money, money does go a long way, but of course, it's it's not just about money, right? It's, it's how we think about um, creating an integrated, coordinated, um, high-quality uh, youth mental health system for families as well, um, and how do we coordinate across different local and state public-private partnerships, right, healthcare systems, like how do we work together to create a system that's working for children that's really focused on prevention as well. I think that $76 million number is really around building uh, residential capacity and and inpatient psychiatric beds, right, opening up those beds that we've lost um, over the years, and then opening them up in a different way so they're actually um, effective. Um, return kids back to their communities and homes and, and productive lives right and engaged lives I think that we have been advocating um, particularly let's say with the american rescue plan funds that are coming to Colorado that a third of Colorado's population are, are young young children and teens and young people um, and so therefore we, we also believe that a third of the american rescue funds um, which would be 150 million dollars, should be dedicated towards creating a youth mental health system and structure for support um, that really is focused on prevention as well, as early intervention. We think about that public health pyramid. I can I'm showing you with my hands, but we're on radio. The base of the pyramid is prevention and early intervention and identification and education. And then as you move up to the tip of the pyramid. Um, there are higher intensity interventions, higher cost interventions, like residential care inpatient psychiatry uh, units, all of those high cost uh, items, which we need, and we need to right size for our population. But if you never fund the base, which is also including uh, primary care integration and mental health, as well as school based intervention, right, um, then we will constantly need to be building uh, more and more inpatient residential beds for our kids rather than helping them really sort of Grow and 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 uh, and thrive uh, throughout their whole lives, right? With the skills that they need and the supports that they need early on. So I'm a big I'm a big fan of right sizing services, right? So I think it'll be way more than seventy six million dollars to to do this, right? I think we we can and we do think and talk about graded funding um, as well, which is we're lucky in Colorado in some ways, like we we have more resources than other states might have, and we have an opportunity to build a system that really works for kids and families. Um, and I hope we will
0: do that. Dr. Ron Lee Liao is the Chief of Mental Health at Children's Hospital, Colorado. Dr. Liao, thank you so much for speaking with us today.
3: Thank you so much for having me, Erin.
0: That's our show for today. Our production team includes Henry Zimmerman and Tess Novotny. Digital editing is handled by Ashley Jeffcoat and Jackie High. I'm Erin O'Toole. Thank you so much for listening. This is Colorado Edition from KUNC.